I have a few dates that I want to throw out there. Maybe some of you will catch what they are. May 12th, May 13th, May 19th, May 26th. You guys know what those are? Your graduation dates, good job. You've paid attention, that's awesome. I was gonna say, if you don't know what those are, um, I do, you can come and ask me, I'll tell you when you're graduating, uh, but you should know that. Uh, everybody else in here, do you remember the date that you graduated high school? Like the date. Some of you, oh, somebody shouted it out, good job. That's awesome, good for you. I figured no, <laughs> we wouldn't have known that. Um, I'm, I'm not that far removed from high school and I didn't, I didn't remember mine, I had to look it up. Some of you, high school was like another lifetime ago. And I, so I understand it's hard to remember those things, but um, I graduated May 20th, 2008 from Hennessy High School, not that far from here. And um, just like you all, I'm sure, um, and the rest of you, it's a, it's a special day. It'll be a special day, and hopefully one that you remember the rest of your life. Maybe not the date itself, but the day and what happens and what it represents. Um, there's a couple other dates in my life that are super important. Uh, one, the first one is, is the most important date, um, October 10th, 1999. It was the day I made the decision to surrender my life to Jesus and got baptized. Um, that day changed my life forever. Uh, it was the most important decision I've ever made, and I get to spend eternity with God because of it, and I'm extremely grateful for that. Uh, my life was changed that day. The problem was the impact that that night had on my mind and on my heart, if I'm being honest, really didn't last all that long. Uh, fast forward eight years, and I'm a senior in high school. Um, and for the longest time, I was convinced that football was my future. Like, I just assumed that was going to be it. Um, I started playing in fifth grade, and from that point on, football was, was life, so to speak, right? Um, you guys get it. Football's a big deal around here. And I was pretty good. Um, in middle school, I was the biggest guy on the field. I was a really great lineman, of course. I wasn't a running back or wide receiver, if you couldn't tell, but I was a lineman. Um, in high school, I was the only freshman that started the entire year on the offensive line. Um, I started all four years of high school, three of those on both sides of the ball, offensive, defense. I was, I was pretty good. I wasn't like superstar, like, you know, that big a deal, but I was, I was pretty good at football. And so a future in football was a reality. There were other things that I was interested in. I had good grades and, and stuff like that, but like football was, was my passion. And so starting my junior year, my coaches, we got a new coach that year. He started telling me like, Hey, I think you could play in college and maybe, you know, and it wasn't just me, there was other guys on the team too, but like, maybe you could go play D1, like at one of the big schools. Um, and of course, that's all that was on my mind. Like, that's the only thing I cared about. That's what, where my focus really was. And so everything I did and said and thought pretty much for the most part revolved around football. It consumed me and it, and it, and it sort of became my identity in a lot of ways. Then the second date. October 18th, 2007. It was a Thursday night. Uh, it was the eighth game of my senior season. We were 7-0, Hennessy was. We were ranked in the state. Uh, we were playing Perkins. We were in Perkins. And um, this was a big game. We were excited. We were pretty confident. We figured we were going to win. I was pretty confident that, hey, I'm going to have another really good game. And seven minutes into the game, we were on defense. I was playing defensive end. 
and I'm chasing after the ball. It's a, it's a play out wide, and I'm running, and a pile starts to form, and I planted my left foot, and the pile rolled up on me. I got pushed over the top, and my leg bent the opposite way, the way that it wasn't supposed to. And uh, it was bad. I knew it was bad. Um, coaches knew it was bad. I ended up having to go to the emergency room. And uh, after a little while, figured out that I tore it all, essentially. ACL, LCL, hamstring, severe nerve damage down that side of the leg. It was, it was bad. Football was over. Football was over. In an instant, my future changed. And I'd love to tell you that Immediately, a light just clicked, and I knew what God wanted me to do for the rest of my life. Uh, but that would be a big, fat lie. Um, I was mad. I was mad, and I was depressed, and uh, didn't really know how to think or what to think or what to do for a while. Uh, my plans were ruined. My goals were shot. What I wanted couldn't happen now. I had spent so much time and so much energy and, and, and my resources and talents and all these things on something that in one stupid play didn't matter anymore. And it took me a while to be okay with that. Um, it took a while and it took a handful of people who loved me and cared about me for me to understand that God was trying to get my attention. That he was trying to help me understand that his plans are more important than my plans. That his goals more than my goals. It was kind of a, a wake-up call, really. A really painful wake-up call. God wanted to use me, and I really wasn't in a place to be used. God wants people that he can use. He wants people that want to be used. That didn't really describe me before what happened that October night in Perkins. Despite what had happened eight years earlier, despite being a Christian and having surrendered my life to Jesus, I wasn't acting like it. I wasn't really living like it at all. I was not usable, nor did I really want to be used. But ultimately, God had other plans. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, If you keep yourself pure... You will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. God is looking for people he can use. It's our job to get usable. Now, I want to ask you this. Regardless of what season of life you're in right now, regardless of, of you know, what you have planned for the next season of life, are you usable? Do you want to be someone whom God can use? You're about to graduate, right? And you're about to go off um, or stay here and do all kinds of incredible things, right? You've got plans. You've got dreams. You've got goals. And you've got 400 different people telling you that your goals need to change Maybe they have different goals for you, other plans for you. Maybe you need to think about this. Have you thought about that? All these people giving you advice, right? That's what happens. 
telling you what you should do, telling you what you shouldn't do, just all those things, how to do this, how to do that, how to treat people, how to react to certain people and, and certain situations. And those things are great. That's all well and good, right? But you know as well as I do that only really a portion of that will actually apply to your life. Like those people are speaking out of their experiences. You guys get that? And your experiences are going to be different. And so what I want to tell you this morning, and everybody in here, I'm not just speaking to them, but what I think you're going to hear this morning, what I, what I think God wants you to hear and understand supersedes what everybody else says. God wants to use you. And again, not just them, but everybody in the room. God wants to use you. But you have to be usable. Okay? You have to be usable. There are certain things that you have to do to be willing to, 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 to be used by God. And I think if you build these things in your life today, what I'm about to share with you, then I think God will use you. You're going to find him using you in ways that you never imagined. The first thing is this. God uses people who desire to do his will. Okay? Here's the thing. You have to want to do what God wants you to do. That's not always easy, but you have to want it. More than anything else, you have got to say, I want God's plan for my life. Okay? Like that, that's what I want for my life. And I, I'm sure you've heard it said many, many times. Lots of people say this, like God has a custom plan for you, right? God has a plan for your life. And that's true, but it's not automatic. If nobody's ever told you this, I'm telling you this now, it's not automatic. Okay? God made you for a purpose, but you could miss that purpose. That's true. You could waste your life. You could blow it all, not make any of it count. It's not automatic. God uses people who desire to do his will, who say, God, I really want you first in my life, and I want to be who you have made me to be. One day, an angel shows up to Mary, right? You guys have probably heard this story, and he's like, hey, God's, God's got this fantastic plan for you. He's going to come to this earth so that everybody can see his character, and everybody can experience his love, and, and everybody can know what his kingdom's going to be all about. And Mary, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe how he's choosing to come. He wants to use you. God tells Mary, hey, I'm going to use you to be the mother of the Messiah, to be the vehicle by which I enter this world. And Mary's response in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 48, she says, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations are going to call me blessed. That was her reaction. Mary didn't say, uh, I think you might need to find somebody else. I'm sorry. You know, God says, hey, I want to use you. And Mary's not like, and you know what? I just, I've got to think about my plans right now. You know, I've got my plans. I've got my dreams. Man, this, oh, I'm sorry. I appreciate the, the gesture, but you know, this isn't really convenient for me right now and my plan. I've got to work out what's best for me. Thanks, though. No. Mary didn't reject God's will. She wanted it. She desired it more than anything else. My soul praises the Lord. She desired to do God's will. God wants people who want to be used. Do you want to be used? Now, none of us deserve to be used by God, right? Like, we get that. We're all trophies of God's grace. 
God works in our lives and God blesses us in all these different ways, not because we deserve it, but because he loves us, right? We're his, we're his children. And just like a good dad, God gives us what we need, not what we deserve, and we need him. And that's what he's giving us is him. And so the first key, if, if God is going to work in your life, if you're going to see his plan happen and you're going to be who he has made you to be, you have to desire it. You have to want it. It's not automatic. You have to say, God, I want your will for my life. And you got to mean it. Uh, David, you've heard, you've heard of David. The Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. Have you heard that, that name for him, that, that description? Why? Why is he called a man after God's own heart? It's because David wanted it. He wanted it. Being a man after God's own heart, it's not about what you have achieved. It's about what you are pursuing. And David is pursuing what God wants for his life. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, he says, So whether we're here in the body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. That's the goal. That's what we should do. Is that your goal? Is your goal to, to please God? Do you want God's will for your life before anything else? Think about this. What, what do you desire most in life right now? Every person in this room has an answer to that question. Every single one of us. What do you desire most in this life right now? Think about that. To make it to graduation? <laughs> to ace your finals, right? To land that job? To be financially secure? To retire? To enjoy retirement? I'm telling you, we had better have a greater purpose in our life than those things. Those things are great, okay? None of those things are bad in any way. I'm just telling you, that's not it. Okay, that's not it. That's not our purpose. That's not what we've been called to. What do you desire most in life right now? Here's what Matthew says. Matthew 6, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and then... He'll give you everything else you need. All these other things will fall into place. It starts with desire. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. God uses people who decide to pay the cost. Who decide to pay the cost. There's always a cost. Okay? There's always a cost in following God's plan for your life. If you were to say, hey God, I, I, want, I want more of you. I want you to have all of me. I want to be closer to you. I want to be more in your will and in your plan and in your center. It's going to cost you. Okay? It just will. You're going to have to give up some stuff. There will always be a cost. There will always be risks, and it will always require faith. And you're going to have to step out and do some things in the unknown that you are scared to do. Mary decided that she wanted God's will above, above all else, and in, in, in doing that, she decided to take a chance. She decided to risk it and to pay the cost. Luke 138, Mary said, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come true about me. I'm the Lord's servant. I'll, I'll do whatever. Whatever it takes, whatever it is, she said, I'm here and I'm willing. Can you imagine what it costs Mary to say yes to God? This is like a Christmas message, right? We talk about Mary around Christmas time, but think about it. Like, what did it cost Mary to say yes to God? She could have said no. Right? Like she had a choice. God didn't just force this on her. She had a choice. Can you imagine the cost 
that she paid to be the mother of Jesus. I mean, her reputation, right? That was huge. She was a virgin. She was engaged to be married to Joseph. And now she's pregnant? Like, how are you going to explain that to everybody in town? Right? I mean, she gave up her reputation. Can you imagine Mary thinking to herself, what's everybody going to think? And I'm not married yet, and I'm pregnant, and the baby's going to be God? Right. (laughs) What are my parents going to think? What are my friends going to think? What's my fiancé going to think? I mean, honestly, if you are engaged and your fiancé comes up and says, by the way, I'm pregnant, and you're not the father, it's God's baby. What's... (laughs) Right? What's your reaction going to be to that? Are you going to buy that line? Probably not. Mary probably thought, I'm going to lose the man I love over this. Everything's going to change. She gave up her reputation because there's no way that people were going to believe that. And the point is, if you get serious about God's plan for your life, there are going to be people who misunderstand you. There are going to be people who misjudge you. There's going to be people who criticize you. You're going to be different. Okay, count on it. If you really want God's plan for your life, if you're going to do what he has asked you to do, there will be people around you who are unhappy about that. And they will criticize that. In your family, in your friend group, in college, especially at your job in 2023. Hello? Count on it. Okay, we're going to do a little crowd participation. Are you guys ready for this? A little crowd participation. Everybody wake up. I'm going to say a couple phrases, and I want you to repeat them after me. Okay, the first one is this. God's purpose for my life includes some problems. God's purpose for my life includes some problems. Second line. God's plan for my life includes some problems. God's plan for my life includes some problems. They're not accidental. Okay? It's just part of the plan, and that's part of the cost. There's always a cost. Always. And Jesus is not shy about this. This shouldn't be a surprise to us. He's very upfront about this cost. He says, hey, if you want to be my disciple, you have to carry your own cross. Right? You guys know what a cross is? You know what a cross is used for? Not very nice, okay? Jesus said, hey, do do not commit your life until you have considered the consequences. Don't commit to me until you've understood the cost. There's always a cost. Paul says in Philippians 3, 7, he says, I once thought that all these other things were so valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. He's saying all these things that I used to think were were such a big deal that I put so much effort and thought towards, uh, you know, all his accomplishments, grades, money, music, you know, whatever it is, you you list it. He said, I've thrown them all away. I've set them all aside so that I can put my trust and my hope in Jesus alone. Paul understood that there was a cost. But he also understood that the benefits were worth it. He said, all those things that I used to think were so important and so valuable to my life, they're just cheap plastic thrills. They don't matter anymore. I've dumped it all so that I could just be at the center of God's plan for my life and I can be who he has made me to be. Ask yourself, what am I willing to give up in order to be used by God? That's a scary question. Be careful, okay? 
be careful because you're going to have to give up some stuff. God may ask you to give up habits. He may ask you to give up some relationships, some friendships that are pulling you down instead of building you up. He may ask you to set aside your dreams and your ambitions and your goals and your plans to be who he has made you to be. Are you willing to do that? Step one, desire God's will for your life more than anything else. And step two, decide to pay the cost. Step three, God uses people who trust him. God uses people who trust him. It takes courage to be used by God. And courage doesn't mean that you're not afraid, right? You've heard this said before, I'm sure. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving ahead in spite of fear, right? It's facing your fear. Another word for courage is faith. Mary, Moses, Peter, Paul, Elijah, John the Baptist, a whole list of people in the Bible all had deep, deep faith. They didn't have all the answers, but they knew who did. And they trusted him. God uses people who trust him. Now, I want to suggest a couple things to you, if I could. When you come into situations where you think you're in over your head, and believe me, it'll happen a lot, (laughs) right? Everybody else in the room knows. You're following God's will, but it's scary. You're getting all this pushback. Don't worry. Worship. Okay, don't panic. Pray and praise God. Anytime you're afraid, anytime I'm afraid, it means that I've forgotten the promise of God that he's going to be with me and he's never going to leave my side. We have to claim that promise. We have to claim that promise. Jesus said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Right? You've heard that probably a million times. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? What's impossible with men is possible with God. God is powerful, okay? God is powerful. And we know this because we get told this, right? You've heard this in church forever. God is powerful, right? And, and, and you get told that, but you don't always get like this good mental picture of a powerful God, of a powerful Jesus. Most of the pictures that we see in church when we grew up with was like Jesus, this meek, meek and mild Jesus with his blue sash, right? Real gentle guy with kids all around him all the time, kind of like Mother Teresa, or he's like the world's nicest guy. Here's the best image I have of him. He's Mr. Rogers with a beard, <laughs> right? A lot of times that's, who we, that's what we think about when we think of Jesus. Now, other people might think of Jesus on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. You guys remember the movie Braveheart, right? Great movie. And I realize this is not historically accurate, so if there are any history teachers, forgive me, please. It's a great movie, though. Um, it's the story of William Wallace. He's the warrior who came as the liberator to Scotland in the 1300s. And Scotland had been under the iron fist of the English monarchs for centuries, right? And he rallies this band of Scottish rebels and they take on the English army. And with blue war paint on his face, he issues this, this charge to his men. And they go out and they battle and they eventually win their freedom. And it's powerful. And he's a warrior, right? So then the question is, is Jesus more like Mother Teresa, Mr. Rogers with a beard, or is he more like William Wallace? And the answer is yes, right? Both. Because if you're an outcast, if you're somebody who doesn't feel like they belong, 
all you've ever longed for is just a kind word from someone, then Jesus is that. He is mercy. He is love. He reaches out and he grabs your hand and he pulls you in for a hug. On the other hand, Jesus, even though he was never pictured in the Gospels as going around slaughtering his enemies, he does warn that there is punishment for those who oppose him, and it's pretty scary. God is powerful. That is a picture of a powerful God who covers all spectrums, right? Who created those spectrums. And he uses people who desire to do his will. Who decide to pay the cost for his will and who will trust him and trust in his power. Listen, if God can take a teenage girl, a poor peasant teenager with no education, no successes, really nothing to be proud of, and choose her to be the mother of Jesus, don't you think that he could use you for something pretty incredible? I think so. Each of you in here has enormous spiritual potential. You, you might not think that. You might not believe that. You might argue with me on that. But I'm telling you, it's true. God believes it. I believe it. We believe it. Speaking to you all, everyone else in here believes that about you. You have enormous spiritual potential. And God has gifted you and he has talented you and he has given you health and freedom and a sharp mind and education and talents and abilities. And he doesn't mean for you to just use them on yourself. One day, I, I believe you're going to stand before God. We're all going to stand before God and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Are you usable? Are you willing to be used by God? To say, God, anytime, anywhere, any place, use me. Whatever it means, even if it means putting my agenda and my goals and my dreams and plans and, and my health on the line, go ahead. Go ahead and use me. I cannot stand another day without being in your will completely. Are you willing to say that? It happens with desire. It happens with sacrifice and trust. Can I tell you? Some of you might recognize parts of this message. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal something. This isn't the first time I've given a message very similar to this. First time I ever came here and interviewed for this job, this was the message that I gave on Wednesday night in front of you guys. But that wasn't even the first time that I've given this message. One of the very first times I gave this message was about 14 years ago. It was Christmas break, 2009. I just finished my first semester of college and I got invited back here to give this message right here on this stage. And I tell you that, that, that this message is important to me. It changed my life and I believe it can change yours. Desire, sacrifice, and trust. Class of 2023. And everybody else in here, are you willing to be that person? If you want to be the person that God wants you to be, if you want to be faithful, if you want to be usable, here's what you say. You say, God, here I am. All of me. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You form me. You do whatever you want with me. I am yours today.
love you guys. I'm proud of you. Go be Jesus to people. All right?